episode of Talking the Yardest, a podcast brought to you from the team at Maya. Once again, you've got myself hosting. I am Kieran Frantic, and today I'm joined by two of my favorite people. I have got the sensational Jay. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. Blessed and highly favored. Thanks for having me. All blessings, no stressings. And I've got Amber to the right of me. How are you today? I'm really, really good. Thank you for having me. Great, loving it. So I'm really looking forward to this week's conversation. I think it's something that needs to be spoken about in a public space. I think it's something that's not brought to a light to. So I'm going to introduce the topic straight away and get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, this week we're talking about reimagining the workplace. So all of these podcasts we've done for this season are based on imagination. Um, and specifically we're talking about reimagining where we work. Now coming from myself, I've had an interesting journey where coming from dropping out of uni to going straight into work and then being an entrepreneur for how I've been for the past seven years and then working in consultancy with people. So I've had a lot of different experience mm-hmm. of like corporate work working in my own space and working with people who are like-minded. Um, I kind of want to speak to you guys about kind of your experiences. I mean, I want to talk about bad working experiences you've had. I want to talk about good things. Um, so if you want to start me on the journey, Jay, because, I mean, your career started um, not so many years ago. So how's it been for you? Yeah, I mean, there's been lots of different, like, iterations, I'd say, of my career. There were times when I was working but didn't know that it was work or it was a job just because I was passionate about it and I was in voluntary positions that should have been paid. Yeah. So yeah. that was, like, a massive thing. Then there was, like, the retail life. I used to be a barista. So I've worked for, like, big corporations and smaller independent corporations where they <laughs> were not <laughs> places you want to work. Yeah, totally. Um, and then, I guess, the... The real big shift for me um, was my first ever like salary job. I worked for, not going to say their name, but they delivered the NCS program. Um, and I was like really excited about that job because I've never been on a salary, never worked full time, yeah, yeah. never worked in a team that was like so many young people that was like in an office. I'd never had like an office job. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't an environment that... It just wasn't a good environment. Like when I spoke to them about my neurodiversity, I was diagnosed while I was working there okay, yeah. and I followed my probation and I was fired. Yeah. So wow. my like experience with like the workplace and access and what happens when you are authentic and vulnerable, mm-hmm. it was a very like, until I got here, until I started wow. working with Maya, where it was like, it's okay to be your whole self. That's really, so it's interesting to see that you come from a background where you, you've even got diagnosed whilst at work mm. I'm guessing you brought it to me in a, in a, in a professional way yeah. etc etc and there wasn't any allowance or any kind of sensitivity or empathy for this for what was said the kind of just no, it was like the empathy was there in the moment in the conversation yeah, but because yeah. I was still like new to this I didn't know oh you should have this like in writing yeah. like don't just talk to this person and think that they're going to actually like go with this stuff write it down mm-hmm. and get them to write back what they're saying to you yeah, so it was like a conversation that seemed to have only exist between the two of us yeah. and then when it was fed back to other people it was just like yeah you're not able to deliver the role etc etc to our and it's true it's like that's this good learning point I mean my first job like Christmas temping um, working at like a shopping boring I remember like 20 like 16 year olds started work we ain't got a clue what our rights are I remember mm-hmm. I used to ring in on a day and say to the manager I'm not coming in today and they'll be like yeah yeah cool there was no ramification yeah. like that to me that was the idea of work it's like I can pick and choose what days are coming obviously now I know you had a bank of staff and mm-hmm. etc so it's nothing can, it's probably just putting me towards the chopping line day by day I would just ring in and be like, yeah, I'm not coming in today. And how's that sound? Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? What was your working experience like, especially coming out of uni? Because you came from an artist background, doing yeah. arts at uni. And I'm guessing at some stage, like, life got real. Oh, my gosh. My working, my background is, is funny. I've worked in supermarkets, retail, membership advisor, gyms, 
schools I've been around. Like, yeah, yeah. it's actually only now that I'm like, wow, I've actually been around. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, coming out of uni, I feel like I spent so much time during um, my time in London, like learning and in- interning and temping and like doing all this unpaid work. Yeah, so yeah. I'd like stand, have a good stand when I go into the real world. Like, yeah, man, I've got all this experience, like employing me in the arts and it. I think um, a turning point for me and like career wise, I did a, um, like a summer internship with, a project called the Big Dance Bus, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and it was like sponsored by T-Mobile, and it was like the most amazing experience. And I did really well there that I got brought back on to do like paid work for the same organisation, which yeah. was like to do with like the the funding and like the um, after event reporting. So I was like, yeah, man, like arts admin, I'm really interested in this. Yeah. So all this experience that I got, I thought, yeah, this would be so easy to get into that. Mm-mm. No, no, Ooh. no, no, no. Listen, the amount of jobs I have applied for to work in any type of arts organisation, yeah. like regardless of if it had anything to do with my passion. Yeah. And like basically getting a no yeah. or getting ignored yeah. or getting an interview for the sake of a tick box and then being told, oh, yeah, you're like, you were second in line, but mm. we've got decided to go with this person. Right, like all of those things. So... I finally got a job after uni and it must have been like eight months after graduating. Yeah. Um, at an organisation that I'm not going to say the name of. Yeah. So I applied to this organisation because it was an arts centre. Yeah, yeah. And my um, my aim for, for applying there was to work in the arts. Yeah. Went to this interview and I got put into catering. Wow. Right? So based off, like, off your, something off your CV? Based or? off nothing, really. Wow. I don't think they even read my CV. Um, really? It was a group interview, so there were about 50 people, probably the same age, younger than me. Wow. And it was basically like a personality test more than anything. Mm. Um, and I can be out there when I need to be out there. Yeah. I can make my point known. So I got the job, great, okay, cool. But you're in catering? Okay, um, but I don't want to be in catering. Not like, I wanted to work in the arts. You trained in arts. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then I guess it was like, you know... Um, assuming that once you're in there will be opportunity for growth there's development involved like you would assume I mean maybe that's just my own like ideal working environment Uh like offering that but that was just not there Uh it was not there and I think that's that's true for so many young people like getting like kind of herded into jobs and the promise of Mm -hmm. you know career mobility and we can move in and around the departments we can get you to where you want to be you start to actualize your degree all these kind of buzzwords you've heard but nothing really comes of it it's like now you're just a person who's part of the workforce and you do that and if you get a look in, you get a look in mm-hmm. and it's, it's, a, it's a bad experience to be in. Um, something you just t- touched on in what you said was um, it wasn't an ideal workplace for you to be in. So I want to kind of like, let's take some space to create like what would an ideal workplace look like in, in your mind's eye? And again, this is gonna be, we're doing it quick so um, I'm not expecting anything super detailed but what kind of components or elements are involved in an ideal workplace for yourself, Joe? I think an ideal workplace is a workplace where you don't have to code switch. (laughs) You don't have to show up as like a work version of you. You can just show up as your authentic self and do your job and connect with the people that you're working with. Like being in an environment where everybody can be authentic, but also where there's space to like call people out with love and know that it's not like a personal attack. Just something that like doesn't mirror the things that have been harmful in other places, That's like Amara said before in the past, like just really building something that feels like something you've not experienced and not being scared to know that this is still work just mm. because you're doing it in a way that's intentional. I love that. I love what you just said. And it's like, it's that age old thing where people say, meet you and say, what do you do? And you're like, what do I do? I mean, I do my, I do me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm doing me. Mm-hmm. Like, do you mean what job do I have or what role do I do? Do you mean like, what do I do like actionably? Because mm-hmm. if you're talking about what do I do, 
I do me. <laughs> and that sounds Ooh. like so cliche to say. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, that's what you do best. What, so that, that's all about being authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, what about for yourself? I mean, if you're talking about the ideal workplace, what kind of environment do you see? I mean, realistically, like obviously having spent the year like full time with Maya, I think an ideal workplace for me is working in a team of people who want to be there. Yeah. Because I feel like there's so many people who are in jobs that they absolutely despise and they just know that they have to get through Monday to Friday. Like you're not going to bring your everything. You're not going to bring your passion. You know, it's just not there. Mm-hmm. So an ideal workplace for me would be working in a team, which I do, yeah. um, <laughs> of people who, who want to be there because the outcomes and the visions are clearly going to, you know, they're going to be met. Yeah. Whereas um, working with a team of people that are hating it is, you know, the environment is not going to be a nice place. That's mm-hmm. it. And we've all been there, like we're part of teams or jobs where like every single person is moaning. It's like coming into work yeah. feels like labour. Your shift feels like labour. Mm-hmm. Your lunch feels like it was one minute long. Yeah. Like, like it's just disappeared. And he's racing for home time again. Yeah. It's like, these are the kind of um, negative experiences that really start to shape your um, your behaviour and your attitude towards work. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we, we have to work. It's a society that we're mm-hmm. built in. We have to work. Definitely. So having the right like, attitude to it is, is important. Yeah. And I think because like, we all know that energy is contagious. Yeah. So whether you like this job or we're really excited to be there, if you're getting there, and like you said, everyone around you is moaning, they're miserable, they hate it, then that is going to be the thing that you're then drawing into your own energy. Definitely. And it's heavy to carry. Definitely. Something you talked about to me earlier, actually, um, touching on that, it was, um, we talking about like, being neurodiverse in the workplace mm-hmm. and accessibility. And it's like, for me, over the past few years, so I got my first job when I was like 15. I came straight fresh out working Saturday job at 15, mm-hmm. straight into 16. So I've been working for a while, um, of being 30 now. So I've seen a, like a change in the past, like maybe two, three years where people are starting to really embrace diversity. And I say embrace, I mean, not just saying we have a diversity department, but understanding there's different stands, strands of diversity and the spectrum of diversity, et cetera. What are some of the um, things that you are seeing that's better now? And what do you hope to see more of in, in this world? Oh, that's a very big question. Okay, so I think I'm going to like go back a little yeah, bit yeah, yeah, yeah. before I answer that question. So, come on, thought. No, it's cool. Neurodiversity, Take right? Time. Take time. <laughs> I've got this. Cool. So, there might be some people who don't know what neurodiversity yeah, yeah, is. So, I think that. it's important for me to start there by defining what it is. So, neurodiversity or neurodivergence mm-hmm. is about having different pathways that work in your brain so everyone has everybody's brain works in different ways but neurodivergence is about a specific set of characteristics that can be identified as like a way of processing the world right and so I think when you've spoken about like more diversity coming in there's been more awareness Mm -hmm. of the fact that like everybody's brain doesn't work the same way and there are different ways of processing information and dealing with situations and all of that good stuff but I think what I would definitely like to see more of is not just oh we acknowledge that there's different things but we acknowledge it and we know that whatever additional needs you have by law by the disability act of 2010 are not negotiable yeah it's like these are access needs that are important and are essential if you're saying that you're building this richer mix of society if you're writing it in your arts council bid saying that you're connecting with all types of people that has to be in action and not just by saying oh we have someone that falls into this protected group but we have someone that falls into the protected group and when they arrive we know how to support them so that they don't disappear that 100%. <laughs> I think it's like you said, it's like taking that theory of being diverse and then really applying it in, in, in a really intentional way. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm using your word, attention is one of your <laughs> words, but in a really intentional way. So I love what you said there. Um, and for yourself, especially running an organization, 
what does it mean for you to be a company that is accessible, that is like, you know, disability confident? What, what, mm-hmm. How does that um, Im- impact your work? I mean, uh, I am very much like a people person. Yeah. So there's no, there will be n- never any barriers for employing mm-hmm. or working with or yeah. any anything to do with that when it comes to the work that we're doing. I think... Um, with neurodivergence, with anything else, it's not one size fits all. Mm-hmm. So it is about getting to know the person as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, Maya, like we nurture, the aspect of care has to come into everything that we do. And I don't think having a policy for um, supporting neurodivergent people is enough. I think you need to get to know the individual as mm-hmm. well yeah. and work with them and understand them. And those people also need to, which Jay is amazing at doing, is speaking to the whole team about that yeah, and yeah. making sure that, you know, everyone is aware and everyone can work with it and everyone understands because I feel like there's not enough understanding of what that is. You can look mm-hmm. at a policy for 10 days and, and think you know something, but you don't unless you know the person. Definitely. So that's it. I think for me, definitely working alongside yourself over this year, it's made me have more consideration for how it impacts work and, more, and it's made me have a better confidence in terms of talking about it as an, as an issue at work, and I say mm-hmm. issue lightly, yeah. so we can start to understand and make, get learnings from it. Um, I think you sent me some interesting facts the other day about how much people are like neurodiverse yes. in the workplace. So one in seven people yeah. are neurodivergent in the workplace. Yeah. That is a, a statistic from ACAS. They did a really beautiful report around like neurodiversity and disability. But when we think about that, like one in seven, that's like 15% of the population, yeah. which is a lot. But then when we're saying that, that's also not considering people who haven't been diagnosed. Yeah. And we know that black and brown people are chronically underdiagnosed. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that means that in this room, in our team there are people who are neurodivergent yeah. I am neurodivergent yeah, yeah. Bez is neurodivergent and it's like just because you don't necessarily have access to the label of knowing this is a direct thing that shouldn't be a barrier and one of the things that I think is really beautiful about like access work is the fact that when you make space to like recognize that it's important it doesn't only just benefit this 15% of neurodivergent people yeah. but it gives everyone else a chance to think this system that I've been doing because everyone said it's how we're doing it don't make no sense like tear it down yeah Yeah. i think that's a big thing that i've definitely took from you over this course of the past year it's a broken system Mm -hmm. i mean we know it's a broken system but how much it needs updating is like becomes more apparent day in and day out so i kind of want to leave on some on some um final thoughts then so from today and i wasn't you're probably doing this already but what are you going to do in your life or in your work to make sure the world becomes or your work becomes a more um better place for for diversity for neurodivergence for disability for accessibility just give us something that you want to take from today and carry on in your work um i would say as um co-founder or director whatever you want to call me in this aspect it would just to say that like maya will never do things as a tick box Mm -hmm. maya will do things as a from a place of care and from a place of heart and from a place of bringing everyone and how, uh, opening up that access to anyone and everyone that's amazing know, possible. love that love that and for yourself Jay I think in terms of actionable things like this year Maya started our disability confident committed journey um, and yeah so that's really exciting so that's like the beginning milestone of the journey that we're about to go on and it's really about curating things and systems and structures that aren't an afterthought but that are integrated to the beginning of processes that are by and for disabled neurodivergent and chronically ill people um, and there's this really beautiful quote by her name is Rachel Cargill. Don't know if I'm saying it out loud, yeah. right? Because I've never said her name out loud before. But um, the quote is that when we show up as our authentic selves, we write permission slips for each other. And so I really want us as like the Maya family to be writing permission slips for other people to know that you can come here as your whole self. You don't have to leave anything at the door That's behind it. you because there's space for all of who you are. Absolutely love it. That's amazing. And again, 
some good words. I, I really appreciate it. And for myself, it's like, I just want to keep on creating more space for conversations around mm-hmm. neurodiversity, create, um, connecting people around differences and um, individuality. And just making a melting pot to understand that like, society isn't as disconnected as we think it is. It's the space for us all to mix and mold together. And through greatness comes from that mix and molding. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why I'm stepping forward with, again, a fantastic conversation with you two guys. I mean, touched on things I hadn't even considered before today. So I really do appreciate you being here. For you guys at home, as always, if you want to get involved in the conversation, if you're neurodiverse, if you've had bad experiences in working environments, please come and join the conversation in the comments below. Drop us a message. We want to know what you're thinking about. As always, stay tuned for the next episode of Talking the Yardist podcast. And every Friday, we have the Yard playlist out on Spotify. So stay tuned for that. But until then, we'll see you next time.